Hi there and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Feel free to open your Bible to Matthew 28, verse 18. Thank you. Matthew 28 and 18. I want to talk this morning, the title of my message is Going Under to Go Higher. Sometimes, sometimes the reality of what God has called us to do is immense or grand. When, when the Lord spoke to my spirit about New Heights Church several years ago, I remember thinking, man, how in the world are we going to do any of the things that I feel like God has called us to do? I didn't have a, a, a game plan. Matter of fact, we started without a game plan, praise the Lord. Some of you guys will remember we, uh, in 2012, we were praying, Crystal and me, and we were asking God to help us complete some goals uh, because at the beginning of the year, one of the things we like to do is set some annual goals. And we were praying, and we knew God was calling us to put a church in, in, in Bryan College Station, but we didn't know when. And we had been praying for a couple of years, a year and a half at that point. And finally, uh, I said, well, I got this one business that, that I can't have it and, and move to Bryan College Station. It just wouldn't make sense. I said, so if something happens with that, we'll call it a sign. And the next day, I got a call from a man out of the blue that said, I'd like to buy your business. So we considered it a sign, and we began, to, we began to pursue different things. But Crystal and me, we did not know one person in Bryan College Station, at least to our knowledge. We didn't know one person. And through a series of miracles, uh, God began to put us in touch with uh, Matthew and, and Tiffany, and we instantly developed a great relationship, and Brandon and Jessica, and many others at that time, but, but it was a very interesting uh, time of life, but we didn't know exactly what to do, so everything was by faith, and, and that's not a negative thing. Matter of fact, that's a real positive thing. I start to get a little bit hesitant when I feel like I have everything figured out. That's when I start to get a little bit uh, nervous because I know that it's impossible to please God without faith. And I also know that faith is the substance of what we hope for. And it's the evidence of what we can't see. So faith is in the unseen realm. Now that doesn't mean that we stick our head in the sand like an ostrich and ignore everything that we can see. It just means that if you're not walking on the water, you're just stuck in the boat. Somebody say amen. amen. So for me, I like to stay, uh, I like to have my faith energized. And, and, and sometimes that can be as simple as, man, I haven't had an encounter with somebody uh, personally. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I get told all the time, you know, with, with friends of mine that, oh, man, uh, you, you're ministering to this many people. And, and, and I tell them, I said, yes. I said, but that, that, I don't even, I mean, I consider it an, uh, an, the highest honor imaginable. I'm doing exactly uh, what I would want to do. But it doesn't exclude me from personally sharing Jesus with people. So if I go too long 
you know, without, without having an encounter with somebody with regards to the Lord and what he has meant to me personally, I feel like I, I start to digress or I start to slip away from that obligation because what happens, and, and I heard a guy named Gordon Robertson, Pat Robertson's son say this. See, I've seen enough in my life this is me personally. I've seen enough in my life where the, uh, uh, the, the opportunity or the convenience of doubt is not available. There is a convenience to being able to doubt God. And what I mean by that is when, when, you, when you haven't seen some stuff, it's easy to go, well, maybe he won't. But whenever he has healed, healed your children in front of your eyes, miraculously, you, you don't have the convenience of doubt anymore. That means you begin to feel, and I don't believe it's a, it's a, it's a negative thing, you begin to feel the weight of responsibility towards doing what God has called you to do. Because now there's no more, well, maybe he exists, maybe he doesn't exist, maybe his word is true, maybe it's not true. No, when you've seen him open blind eyes, you can't doubt anymore. When you've seen him move mountains out of your way, you can't doubt anymore. Uh, and, and I'm not saying it has to happen this way for everybody because the Bible actually says that it's better if somebody believes and really hasn't seen it's more blessed to believe and not see, Jesus said when he was talking to Thomas. But, but for, for uh, some, some of us and most of us, you live for God long enough and, and I'm, you will see some stuff that will make doubt unreasonable. Doubt begins to become more difficult than faith. Now you have to remind yourself of this. It's not like it's a knee-jerk thing because your flesh, that's, that's that part of you that's against God. Your flesh is always going to be at enmity with God. It's always going to be contrary to God. So when you wake up one day and you, you still have the, the feeling of doubt, don't grab the devil's uh, you know, uh, boxing gloves and start punching yourself because you're always going to have a flesh. Your job is to crucify your flesh and not talk negative about yourself. So all these things come together uh, and, and we begin to understand that, that God cannot fail in our life. And when we're trying to figure out what would he have me to do or what would he have me to do in a certain situation, sometimes it's, it's unnerving or it can be unusual, but sometimes it's crystal clear. This is what I want to talk about today. Sometimes we don't have to overanalyze it. We don't have to overthink it. We don't have to try to figure out, you know, the square root of the prophecy. We don't have to try to apply seven different uh, angles to it and tie every Bible verse together and, and understand the, the seven seals uh, in the book of Revelation. Sometimes we don't have to do any of that. Sometimes we just got to do what he said to do. Somebody say amen. When he says, love your neighbor as yourself, you don't need 17 books to explain to you what loving your neighbor as yourself means. It means treat people like you would want to be treated, praise the Lord. We don't have to go to the deepest depths of society and understanding to begin to understand those simplistic uh, uh, descriptions and simplistic declarations that God makes about our life. But when it comes to following God, you're going to have things that you're not going to be aware of exactly what to 
do and how to do. But you're going to have some things that it's just a matter of this is what he said do. So praise the name of the Lord. I'm going to do it. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 28 verse 18. Jesus came and spoke to them saying all power. Somebody say all power. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Jesus has all power in heaven and earth. And if you're a Christian, you are safely and securely hidden in who he is, which means your big brother, Jesus, the one whom you're an heir and a joint heir with, the one who's preparing a place for you, has all power and all authority in heaven and earth. That means nothing coming against you is more powerful than your redeeming, saving king who is soon returning. All power is given unto him. There is nothing that is short, that is, that is short or small about who he is or the power that he, that resides in him. All power is given unto him and you are attached to the source. You are tied to the source that has no limit. He's about to leave. Matthew 28, he's about to ascend to heaven. He's already been crucified. He's already risen from the dead. He's spending about 40 days walking around with the disciples, talking with them. Over 500 people see him alive, the Bible says. And he's sitting there and he's saying, listen, I need you guys to understand all power is given unto me. In other words, I could tell you right now, I could touch you on the shoulder and I could make you like a wizard that just walked around uh, uh, shooting laser beams out of your face. And if I'm there and Jesus is there, I'm saying, I want you to touch me and give me the laser beam shooting power. Praise the Lord. But instead he says something very different. He says, now go and teach all nations. Hold up, Jesus. You just said you got all power in heaven and earth. How about you make us where we can shoot laser beams. How about you make it where we can, you know, fly around when we want to? Why don't you do something? I think that would be better at convincing people that we had power and Jesus is sitting there and if, if, if somebody would have said that to him, he would have immediately gone into a monologue about the power of love itself. See, we look at what we can see as the most powerful but the reality is, is Jesus is constantly referencing what we cannot see as the most powerful. He says, I'm not interested in laser beams. What I'm interested in is I want you to go teach all nations. Your Bible might say, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He said, teach them to observe all things, what I've commanded you. He said, and here's the deal. I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Sometimes trying to figure out what God would have us to do can be difficult. But sometimes it's crystal clear. This is one of the last statements he made to the disciples before he literally rose and ascended into heaven. We don't know how fast he went, but we know he ascended into heaven, out of sight, into the clouds. And he said to him, he said, go and make disciples. Go and teach all nations. And baptize them. If you've never been baptized. Or if you were baptized and you feel like, hey, that's something. 
that I did because somebody else told me to do it. Some things don't have to be overthought. If you've never been baptized, Jesus said, be baptized. Obedience is far greater than any sacrifice you can make later. Obedience proves that you trust the one that told you to do it more than you trust yourself. I'm going to give you some of the keys really quickly as to why we need to be baptized. But the number one reason to be baptized is because Jesus said so. If Jesus told us to do something difficult, we would have done it. There was a guy one time that came to a prophet in the Old Testament and he had leprosy. And the Bible says that he, he carries all these gifts and he had this great caravan of stuff. And he goes to the king and, and the king says, man, I can't heal He wants somebody to heal him. He said, I can't heal you. He said, go see the prophet. So he goes to the prophet and the, the, he knocks on the prophet's door and he's standing there all kingly. And the prophet doesn't even come out. And he goes, doesn't he know I'm the king? And the prophet sends word. He says, go bathe in the Jordan River seven times. And the king loses his mind. He goes, there are, there are rivers where I come from that are far cleaner. They're far nicer. Why should I do this? And all of a sudden, one of the, one of the servants that worked for the king looked at him and says, if he'd have told you to do something difficult, you would have done it. But because it was simple, you're offended. Why don't you just do the simple thing? That he said. You see, if God told us, so Easter just passed. There are people in the Philippines that nail themselves physically to a cross every year. It's, it's, it's terrible doctrine. It, it's, it's absolutely, it flies in the face of what Jesus did because Jesus paid that price so that we don't have to pay that price. We don't pay twice for something. No, we accept the payment and then we go on. But, but, but here's the scenario. What I'm trying to say is people will do things that seem very difficult in the name of religion, but they will overlook the simplicity, the simplicity of things that will give them true riches in God. What, how do, what do you mean true riches in God? I'm talking about a peace that will surpass your understanding. Well, how do I access that? The joy of the Lord is your strength. That means when everything's going to hell in the handbasket, you can still have peace that surpasses your understanding. Well, how do I do that? You trust God. That sounds too easy. I know. And mankind has been making it difficult for 2,000 years. Really, before that. But humanity has tried to make what Jesus did complex. And in the reality the, the things that he destroyed, they're, they're diverse and complex, but the call he puts on our life is simple. Love your neighbor as yourself. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Love him with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. You see, everything about God can be put into a category. Do you believe or do you not believe? The problem is, belief True belief always has actions accompanied. So when he says, be baptized, we don't have to dissect it to the ends of the earth. That has split religions, that has split denominations down the middle. 
How do you baptize? Do you baptize this way? Do you baptize that way? Do you bat- Listen, first off, if it's a muddy creek and, 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 it's, and it's an inch deep, you're not going to get under all the water. So something's going to have to happen, praise the Lord. I can find example after example of how it happens different ways, but the reality is, is when Jesus said, go and baptize new believers, that should have been it for the body of Christ. We should have said, okay, that's the next step. When you believe, be baptized. Number one, Jesus said so. Somebody say amen. amen. Number two, Romans 6, 4 says this. When you're baptized, you are buried with him in his death. And you are raised to walk in newness of life. You are buried with Christ in his death. You will never taste death. Death is not for you anymore. Death is where people, is what people experience that do not know Jesus. But when you exhale your last breath here, you will inhale the fragrance of heaven because to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. There is no in-between. Death is not for a Christian. So the only way you get a chance to experience death is to be baptized. And whenever you're baptized, the Bible says you are buried with Christ in death, but he doesn't leave you there. You are raised to walk in newness of life. That means when you come out of the water, you ought to walk different. You ought to talk different. You ought to think different. You ought to be different. Some of you ought to change your name. No, don't do that. You are not called to walk how you walked. You are not called to talk how you talk. I'm not talking about getting religious or anything because the only true holiness comes from Jesus, doesn't go to Jesus. In other words, you are righteous by the blood of the Lamb. The Bible says our own righteousness is filthy rags before Him. But the truth behind all of it is when you're buried with Him in His death, He then chooses to raise you. He then chooses to raise you to walk in a very new life. The Bible says you come out of the water. And the interesting thing uh, about being baptized in water is you're not somewhat wet. You are wet, praise the Lord. And water is the number one cleansing agent on planet Earth. When it, comes to, when it comes to something being clean or a village or a group of people that need health, the first thing they need is clean water. Because without clean water, you cannot have health. The Bible says that you're buried with Him, but then you're raised. Number two, baptism raises you from what you were. Baptism raises you from what you were. I'll never forget a young man uh, a couple of years ago was baptized here. And we were talking later and he says, he says you're, you, you, you're not going to believe this. I said, try me. He said, I've been depressed every day of the world. I said, I'm sorry to hear that. He said, but I got baptized three months ago and I haven't been depressed since. <laughs> Baptism has a supernatural response. We don't always see it. But we don't always see the supernatural. When Jesus was baptized, the greatest example that we have, as soon as he came out of the water, all of a sudden his dad from heaven began to talk. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit, in the form of a dove, flew down and rested on Jesus' shoulder. His dad said for everyone to hear, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. See, supernatural events take place when you decide to get baptized. 
not because it's special water, but because the one who made water chose to make baptism a priority. Number three, Galatians 6, 27. You can write that down. Those of us who have been baptized, it says we have put on Christ. Somebody say put on. One translation says we are clothed in Christ. This, this is where a good picture of this is absolutely critical to understand who you are as a Christian. When you go underwater, you are completely submerged. When you are baptized, you are putting on Christ. So whenever you put on Christ in the form of baptism, you are completely enveloped in who he is. Which helps us to understand our ability to go to God. Because the Bible says we can boldly go to the throne of grace and make our request known unto him. Now you and me, who have missed the mark several times in our life, it's hard to think that we can go to a perfect God boldly. But when we understand that we are enveloped in Jesus Christ, when God looks at us, he's not seeing our failures, shortcomings, and all of our issues. He's seeing his only son. When you get baptized, you are putting on Jesus. The Bible says you are clothed in who he is. Sometimes, sometimes the, the question of, of who, I, who am I in God? is the most important question you'll ever answer after you choose to trust him. Because if you don't know who you are, you may go to heaven, but you may get beat up the whole while you're here. Because the truth of it is, is whenever you begin to recognize that I'm in Christ Jesus, I am enveloped, I have put on Christ, I am clothed in his righteousness, I am who he says I am. Now all of a sudden, access to the opportunities and the blessings that God have don't seem unreasonable. When you begin to find out that you're clothed in Christ, now all of a sudden, healing doesn't seem unreasonable because you are wrapped in who Jesus is. And we can't picture Jesus as being sick, so we shouldn't be sick. Somebody say amen. All these things come about when we begin to recognize that baptism is not just a, 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 an opportunity. No, baptism is the next step for a believer. When you begin to believe on Jesus Christ, it's also, get this, and Jesus made it really clear. He had pretty much stayed, kept a really low profile until the day that Jesus was baptized. He had kept a really low profile, and then all of a sudden he's walking up, and his cousin John, he, he hollers out, he says, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In other words, baptism made Jesus public. Baptism is the public display of what you privately believe. When you are water baptized, when you decide to make that step of faith, you can't do it. You can't do it internally. It's something that has to happen externally. And just the same way that when Jesus was baptized, it was the public declaration of who he is. When you get baptized, it's the public declaration of who you are. You are a Christ one. You are a Christian. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. You are now blessed coming in and blessed going out. Blessed in the city. Blessed in the field. You now have the blood of Jesus washing your sins away. You are not what you used to be. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. And it is a public display for your friends and your family and for yourself so that everybody around you knows I am not what I was. It's a public declaration. Number one, we are baptized because Jesus said so. It's a a matter of, 
uh, of obedience to the word. Number two, we are raised in baptism. Number three, we are clothed in Christ. Number four, the question is when. Acts chapter number nine says this. The Bible says there was a guy named Saul who became Paul. And, and whenever Paul, uh, whenever Paul finally became a Christian, now this is the guy, he wrote 13 books in our Bible. And, and before that, he was killing Christians, he was, he was, he was trying to murder them, he was arresting them. He, he, just, he, he was totally anti-God, anti-Christ. And then all, not the anti-Christ, he was against Christ. And he came, he came about, and the Bible says that, that whenever he got born again, it was as if scales came off of his eyes. I can't think of a more accurate depiction of what it's like to get born again. Because most of the people that I know that serve God, before they began to serve Him, it's not like they were like, man, I just want to be the worst human imaginable. There's just scales on, on their eyes. Before you know Jesus, you can't see how good he is. But as soon as you give it over to him, as soon as you accept him, now all of a sudden, it's like, how did I not see that? Well, you couldn't see it because there were scales on your eyes. There was something blocking your eyes. The Bible says whenever he was prayed for, that the scales came off. And immediately, he was baptized. In other words... Baptism does not require a master's in theology. The minute you see Jesus for who he is, is the moment you should decide to be baptized. The instant you see Christ for who he is, is the moment that you should be baptized. You should, it's the moment you should make the decision to be baptized. I know people that wait around for different things and different reasons and I'm not mad at anybody who does but we don't have one example in the Bible of somebody being told you need to wait to be baptized exactly the opposite the Bible said that Philip one time was talking to a guy from Ethiopia the spirit of God had led him all the way to ride on the on the chariot with him he's riding in a chariot or a wagon and, he, and the Ethiopian is reading from Isaiah Philip says, you understand what you're reading? He said, I can't understand any of this. In other words, I got these scales on my eyes. I can't understand any of them. And Philip begins to talk to him. He goes, well, here's what he's trying to say. You see, Jesus, he's the one who had stripes laid on his back, and that's why we're healed. And he was wounded for our transgressions. And that's him. He was killed. That's him. And he goes, he goes oh, my goodness. And while, while he's talking, the scales falling off of his eyes. He says, well, what do I need to do to be a Christian? He said, well, you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be baptized. And the Ethiopian Ethiopian looked over and there was a puddle of water on the ground. He said, we got water. What stops me from being baptized? Philip thought for a moment. Nothing. They jumped out. He was baptized and became the first missionary in Ethiopia. You see, when it comes to obeying God in baptism, the time is now. Don't let anybody convince you. Look, if somebody tries to convince you that, that there is a certain 
other than just believing on the Lord Jesus Christ before you're baptized, if anybody ever tries to convince you that there's much more than that, I just, I just very respectfully, that's just incorrect. We don't have a single example in the New Testament that shows that. The examples that we have show, hey, as soon as you know, as soon as John said, there's the Lamb of God, Jesus like, all right, put me in the water. As soon as Paul had the, Saul had the scales come off his eyes, he's like, where's the water? As soon as the Ethiopian found out who Jesus was, as soon as the scales come off, where is the water? The jailer that was about to kill himself when Paul and Silas, Silas praised God in the midnight hour and their stocks and chains came off and all the other prisoners were set free and they were sitting there having a prayer meeting with the prisoners that should have all stormed out of the prison. Instead, Paul and Silas are leading each one to the Lord and they see the jailer's about to kill himself and they run over and they say, they don't kill yourself. He said, we're all here. We're all good. Don't worry about it. And he says, what do I have to do to be saved? He says, well, you need to believe on Jesus Christ. He said, you need to be baptized and you and your whole house will be saved. And the Bible says they went and baptized him. You don't need to wait to be baptized. We have a few people this morning that are going to be baptized. But if you're here today and you said, I've never made that step, preacher. Or you say, I'd like to, you know, maybe you did it, you didn't understand it. Now you really feel like I really understand. You say, man, I want to make that proclamation of faith today myself. I want to make it public. That's you. If you didn't sign up, it's still time. In just a moment, I'm going to dismiss you. You can go out to the tent, sign up. We've got all, all the clothes, towels, everything you could need. And you can be baptized today. You can be like old, like the Ethiopian. You can be like Saul. Even better, you can be like Jesus. That's what he said to do. So we do it. Go ahead and close your eyes, please. If you're here today, you're not right with God, you're not living right, you're not doing right. Jesus is not Lord of your life. When I count to three, I want you to lift your hand and I'm going to give you the opportunity to give your life to Jesus fresh today, if that's you. Maybe you say, I backslid, I fell away from God, but I don't want to stay away from God. If that's you, when I count to three, lift your hand. One, two, three, lift your hand. I don't see any hands. Let's all stand to our feet. pray in just a second, but in just a moment, we're going to dismiss you. If you would like to be baptized, if you're already on the list, it's going to be your opportunity uh, to go and change clothes and be ready. Uh, we're going to have about about a three-minute uh, intermission, so in just a moment, you're welcome to talk amongst yourselves and hang out, but other than that, uh, we're going to see some people's lives change today. Give God a hand of praise. <laughs> Father, in Jesus' name. For those who are going to be baptized, we lift them up to you. We thank you, Lord God, for changing their life. I thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to come to a place like this and experience true change, true life change. I thank you, Father, that you are opening doors for us and for your people. I thank you, Lord God, that as we baptize today, that supernatural events will take place in their life. I thank you, Lord God, that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. And as we take this, as we make these public declarations, Father, you begin to move in our life publicly. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. 
If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.